Hey guys, Dustin Wynn. Hey, this is Scott Snyder. This is Paul Dini. And you're listening to Bat Force Radio. And you're listening to Bat Force Radio. You're listening to Bat Force Radio. This is Kevin Conroy, the voice of Batman. And you're listening to Bat Force Radio, so stay tuned. to Bat Force Radio, the DC Batman podcast with no limits. We have uh, a phenomenal show today. I am extremely excited. For any of you guys who listen and watch, you know uh, me, 89, was my introduction uh, to Batman the character. The movie is still my favorite, as you can see with all the stuff in the background. Uh, let's just get into it today. We're going to go around the room. Uh, I'm Bat Force Tom over in Southern California. We got Teases over in Dirty Jersey. Um, and we have two gentlemen from a fantastic company. If you're an action figure guy, if you are a pop culture collector, NECA is kind of a household name at this point. Um, but we have Marty and Stefan from NECA. Welcome, gentlemen. Hello. So, guys, we are going to be talking about the Batman 89 utility belt that you are putting out. Uh, perfect timing as Michael Keaton is making his way back into the Batsuit. Uh, the Flash is coming out. As we uh, put this out, the film will be out. Um, so, I mean, this is, like I said, perfect timing for all this stuff. Specifically today, we are going to be talking about the beautiful thing you guys put together, the 89 utility belts, the packaging as well. I mean, um, you know, I got a room full of Batman 89 stuff, and this this packaging looks beautiful as well, uh, especially the back with uh, the details of what comes in the package. Um, I want to make sure that people know where to get it. Um, the NECAstore.com is the place to go to order this piece. Um, and then, Steve, uh, Teases, you were saying that there is, uh, there's a bundle on there that's not available necessarily uh, retail, right? Right. So if you're going to get um, the belt via the store, you're going to get that battering as well. Um, it includes the grapnel gun. But in order to kind of maximize on all the magnetic um, props that connect to the front panel, if you order that directly through the store, you're going to get that that um, battering as well. So it's a pretty sweet deal overall. Um, this is the first time I'm opening the box, and the presentation kind of just speaks to itself. It's just molded really and articulated so beautifully that you're kind of uh, – you open it up, and exactly, you just see that, that grapnel gun, and you open the next layer, and the whole arsenal is just kind of just set up for you. Um, and kind of just, it's just a bunch of eye candy. Um, can you guys give us a quick rundown of what you're responsible for with this product? Uh, well, we were tasked with making the bat belt as a prop replica first. And uh, the more we talked about it, the uh, more ideas that came up to make it almost like a functioning, wearable costume piece accessory. And I guess blending those two things together was the main goal of making the bat belt happen. Um, basically, it has to look like the movie, which was number one. And um, uh, I was tasked with basically getting the design and idea together for 3D artists to create it um, and to art direct from there on. So we brought Marty Henley on board, a fantastic uh, 3D artist who um, I worked very closely with um, on the whole sculpt, the design, everything from um, 
from the the little compartments inside of it to how it should actually function in production and that sort of thing. So, yeah, we worked closely on that together and uh, went back and forth and and in a you know collaborative effort came up with what we have now, a functioning, wearable, accurate looking bat belt from '89. Yeah. Definitely. yeah uh... I'm Marty. Uh, yeah. Stefan reached out to me and, uh, you know, uh, sent me this email and I just about fell out of my chair because, um, Batman 89 is like my Batman too. Um, that was, you know, my introduction to the darker version of Batman. And, uh, I was, I was super excited about it. I was, as a kid, I was just fascinated with like the gadgetry of Batman and getting to, you know, put my hands in that, that franchise was fantastic. And working back and forth with Stefan was, was awesome. Like he really was into the project too. And we'd come up with like all these little, you know, different components and stuff. And and it was just, it was great working with him. We wanted to make the uh, presentation kind of part of it because if we were going to put it all in a box, if people want to display it on their shelf like that, that's an option. Like they don't have to wear it necessarily as a costume piece. And that's something Marty and I discussed too. Like, how far do we take it as a replica, and how far do we go with like making it cool, gadgety, functiony, you know, um, for the consumers, you know, stuff that we haven't seen in the movie at all that he doesn't use. And Marty can talk a little bit about designing stuff that um, would work in the '89 film, as if Michael Keaton Batman was using those on the movie, but could have been in the film or could have been in that universe you know mm. so the blister was part of like let's make it a display piece so people can you know put all the accessories back if they want to um into the blister and we make it matte finish black and we put the batman logo in there just a little bit more bang for the buck for this display item um, we had a question from a good buddy logan wood who i think he noticed right away from the back panel pictures he was like oh this looks like this looks like the uh, the guidebook with uh, all the little pieces, and he wanted to know: is was that part of the inspiration for the design of this thing? Yeah, definitely. Uh, when Stefan sent me the initial email, uh, there was a list of things that we could put into the little capsules and in the little pockets and stuff. Um, some of them logistically we couldn't get in, or we had to cut things down for uh, manufacturing, what have you. But this uh, illustration was definitely. Uh, a huge inspiration. Um, uh, like I said, in that other interview, um, you can see there on the illustration, the, um, uh, the little camera, and you can see like two thirds of the camera sticking out of the, the little capsule. And so I use that to kind of uh, inform my design language for all the other components. Um, you can also see there the little gas pellet. Uh, but that uh, wasn't going to logistically work for what was going on with the rest of the components. Uh, that little capsule felt more like a, a medicine pill. Um, and so what I did there was I just did a deep dive into anything I could find Batman utility belt related through comics or video games. And so I ended up finding, uh, I think I sent you an illustration uh, from one of the Batman video games of the, uh, the three little smoke pellets. Um, and, yeah, and so I use that as inspiration uh, for those little um, gas pellets. Uh, and, and the fun thing about that was uh, trying to engineer that so that they would clip into that little holder and pop out. So all those little beads pop out 
uh, just like they would if Batman was using them and throwing them. So, um, again, like I said in that other video, um, I tried my best to make 14-year-old me happy. Like, if I was playing like this and pretending to be Batman, like I wanted to, to feel like I could toss these things and, and, and have some fun with it. So That's amazing. I mean, you guys nailed it. It, it looks exactly what – when I was a kid and I saw this movie, I always assumed – it was one of those little pieces, and uh, sure enough, as this illustration comes out, it shows you all the little things inside of it, and yeah. the uh, the belt really does a great job of. I love this part of the packaging, by the way. Like Tezus was saying, he was saying you pull away that top layer of the grapnel, and then you yeah. lift that up, and the first thing, the second thing you see is this. This is just gorgeous, like that. Um, I was thinking, like when I was opening this up, I'm like, I got to put that on the shelf. Look how good that looks. Yeah, you almost want so, to. One to <laughs> like this and one to uh, put together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, that yeah. smoke bomb you were talking about is, in the movie was this. Uh, ah. it, it's really kind of interesting. I, I mean, it's a really cool design. Uh, I, I don't understand necessarily, you know, what the little bullet aspect of it is. But in the movie, he takes this out and tosses it down in the, the uh, uh, chemical plant and it breaks open. Mm -hmm. the gas pops out. And we made it a pressure fit so that you can actually put water in there. Uh, without no any way, yeah, yeah, yeah. But oh you put whatever God. liquid in there, and, dude. I just, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's right. not glued; it's pressure fit, and you can put whatever one in there to make yeah. your own chemical gadgets. You know, Beautiful. you're the Batman of this world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and and playing off what Stefan said there, you're the Batman of this world. Like that's one of the reasons why we have six different components that fit into the the four components on the belt. Um, so you can imagine like what kind of mission you're going on and you can place individual, you know, whether you need a, a torch or whether you need, a, you know, a scanner, whatever the thing you're going to be doing is, you can like customize your belt for the mission you're going on. So um, that was a, a big um, idea that we were playing around with. Yep. As you guys mentioned that, something that pops into my mind immediately, I'm thrown back to the Dark Knight collection used to have. Um, those gadgets, you know, little kid is built and, and to scale for a child. I remember having that. One of them was the utility belt. And the way you're describing that makes me think of being that kid of having the belt, having the little things, throwing things down, you're pulling them out and all that kind of thing. Um, that's, it, it's funny because that's what I wanted to do as a kid. And now you have it <laughs> as the real deal as an adult, you know, and uh, I'm not sure if many people know, but this thing opens up to fit different waistband sizes so it actually expands out am i was, did i see that correctly to a size 55 waist uh 50 yeah 51 maybe something 51. like that 51 to 55 and yeah it's for all sized batman out there you know um and oh, obviously yeah. we made it uh collapse to its regular size for the keaton waist or whatever so you can have that on your shelf as like the batman belt and then we put that extender in there with a ratcheting system that you could extend and and clip you know, clip the belt buckle and the belt buckle in the front pops open and, you know, you put it on like an actual belt, you know, very satisfying. Just uh, like you that. Could even we were thinking of maybe doing maybe an ASMR video uh, on the side to uh, accompany this episode because of all the satisfying ratcheting and clipping yeah. and all that. So very, uh, there's, there's multiple layers of satisfaction with this, with this uh, belt, to be honest with you, you guys mentioned a little bit here. Like, this is what I want to know. First of all, NECA has a fantastic history um, with other properties, uh, you know, seven-inch figures, horror. I, I think if you ask any action figure collector, 
they're gonna have multiple NECA pieces in their in their collection. TMNT, Batman 66, at some at one point you guys did a Reeve Superman and 89 Batman, which argue, arguably action figure guys might say your Batman 89 is still the best seven inch figure or that scale figure. Um, so obviously you guys have this amazing this amazing um, property that you get to play with with the 89. Uh, you, we mentioned earlier off screen, there's the battering you guys came out with. Um, this one folds up, magnetized. It fits on the belt itself. And I got to imagine the idea was at some point you're putting out the battering, you're putting out the grapnel gun. Was the belt always in the cards? What was the, what was the idea, the process, the timeline of getting to the belt? Because once the belt was announced, I was like, oh, my God, dude. Like, they're going crazy with this thing now. <laughs> well, um, yes and no. I mean, uh, we garnered... The belt was always on, like, the props list. I mean, it's iconic, right? When you see Keaton in his whole costume, obviously you want the full thing, but that's realistically an option for us to make in plastic that people can buy at a certain price point. You know, you're not going to get the whole costume. The cowl is very expensive to make, and it won't fit everybody, right? So we came up with a list of, you know, certain things, and uh, the first one was, of course, the Batarang, because, A, it's small, People can buy it at a nice, cheaper price. It's not like, you know, a $100 item or whatever. And um, we tried to put as much function as we could into that, folding it so it actually, you know, flips out when he flips it out in the movie um, with the magnets in it and stuff. And um, then we did the the launcher, you know, functionally fire uh, the dart across with a string in it and fold up just like the movie. And then at that point, we were like, well... Uh, we have the two most iconic gadgets. We discussed the line launcher, but that was even bigger of a project, huge piece. I mean, that's like the weight of that alone would be something engineeringly would be difficult to figure out. But the, the bat belt was the next thing on the list because we had those first two items. It almost made sense that we made like a carrying thing for those items. And we, knew, we knew we had magnets in uh, the Batarang for it to flip out and click together. And we knew we had a magnet in the uh, grapple launcher. So it, it just kind of worked out. We were like, let's put magnets in the belt to hold those things where they need to be, where they slide out in the film. And um, when we got to designing the Bat Belt, we said, well, we never really did that um, grapple gun separating because the engineering of the motor function inside the first one didn't allow us to separate it. It was either a uh, motor or a separation. So this time with the bat belt, I decided to include that really cool, you know, clicking clicking function just like that, which is so iconic in the movie that he puts two little things together and then shoots a functioning, you know, <laughs> you know, thing that can hold uh, 109, 108 pounds, right? Uh, apparently, it should, but sometimes it gets stressed and it could do a yeah. little more. <laughs> Um, yeah, yeah, so that's how it evolved. A lot of us have owned these uh, replicas for the past year, and no one even knew that there was a magnetic function in it. So this is kind of like a hidden gem, you know? Another thing, too, is, like, you see this. To me, this is, like, another logo. It's iconic. It's They're not, all iconic. Yeah. All those all those props are, are, are iconic from that film. Yeah. And also, like, doing this belt, uh, even though this, like, attaches to it, the little remote control for the Batmobile... Like this was super cool. I remember seeing this in the movie when he calls, he's like calls the Batmobile in, 
And then he just like holds it up and says, stop. Like to me, that was like amazing that you had a self-driving car and the little component here. So also has a magnet, which goes yeah. on. Yeah. Just like when it slides over on his belt. So we wanted to put as much function to this thing as possible, but still make sure at the end of the day, it looks like the bat belt you see on screen. You know, that was the tough thing to do. Yeah. There's a list you said there is a there's a uh, a list that you guys are going through. How are there other items on the list that you're still looking at? Uh, uh, I mean, every item depends how the last one really did. So okay. if the batarang didn't do well, we probably would never have gotten to the grapple launch. And if that didn't do well, we would have never gotten to the bat belt. So it really depends. I mean, as you know, there are so many cool props that Keaton uses or that even Joker uses in the film. And maybe not just from 89, but, you know, the Batverse itself. So I guess it really depends on how well the Bat Belt does. Um, if people still are clamoring for more of these props and things, um, you know, the list uh, the list can keep growing. And, you know, we want it to all function together. So that's, that's another thing, too. I, yeah. I think you made a valid point. Like, I didn't even think about that whole aspect that you guys could make some Joker props and kind of introduce that into the story, like... You think Joker it's taking out that elongated, uh, you know, gun? gun. Yeah, it's never been done before, and yeah. and what's amazing about this is this is like just life one to one scale that no one else is doing in the game. Um, yeah. You know, there's anyone's yeah. pumping out figures, but NECA is the only company that's actually doing these movie prop esque. Yeah, I mean, there are so many iconic things from that movie, even from the Joker. Not that we could do a realistic looking gun per se, but. You know, what about his flower acid thing? You know, what about my hands or anything? Yeah. You know, sure. yeah. There's a lot of cool stuff. That movie is just, it's just top to bottom. So cool looking uh, still to this day. I mean, look at the popularity of Keaton back now in a flash movie is even, you know, uh, getting people to go. And we, mean, have, some, we have no idea what kind of props he's going to have on the gadgetry in this new movie too. So that's true. true. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Marty, um, Again, like if I'm if I'm if I'm working at NECA and I know that we have this license for this property to use these things and I get this email um, that says, hey, 89, whatever, you know, belt, whatever you see this, you freak out. That was a question that I had was like, I would assume then based off of that, like it's not like announced, hey, guys, we're working on this new belt. Like, good luck if anyone gets on the team like. Because I would be fighting. I would be fighting. I would be throat cutting. I would be undercutting. I would be undermining my coworkers to get on the chance to get the chance to work on a product like this. So behind the scenes, like how how does that happen? How do you knowingly have this license and this product that you can work on and then get, I guess, selected to work on it? And yeah, like how is I mean, how does that work for you guys? Uh, Stephen would have to speak about how I got selected. Uh, but I will say this, uh, at NECA, every project I get is fantastic. I mean, That's it's true. a fanboy dream, almost every single thing I get. So whether it's, you know, Batman or the D and D figures, secret headquarters, secret headquarters, like all the projects have crazy challenges to them. They're just really fun and they're fun to engineer. They're fun to sculpt. It's just like, you know, as a kid, uh, I sit here and sculpt and in my head, the, the, the child me is like, oh my God, I cannot believe I get to work on this thing. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, working on the Batman belt, I got the email said, your next project is this. And I was like, ah, that's amazing. I love ah. it. Um, but as far as like how I got selected for it, that's a Stefan question. 
I, I actually have a yeah. question regarding that um, real quick. How, how long from start to finish did it take for you to do all your research and to kind of get a 3D, something on paper to show that, hey, this is how I envisioned it. Like, how long does that take from start to finish to, to get it pre-production to where Stefan's looking at the mold and he's saying, let's, uh, let's shoot it over for development and see what happens. So from the time Stefan gave me the project, um, first thing I did was sculpt the belt out, make sure that the, uh, and I actually sculpted it flat and then had to like use the, uh, my programs to bend it around. Uh, but once I got the overall look of the belt, that's when I started cutting things up and making it so that I had the components in the little capsules, uh, made it so that all these little side pieces, oh, let me get this off here. Um, it's a nice snug fit. So these little side pieces here, they have all the components in them. Um, then I had to go and um, there you can see all the little detective kit in here and the little um, heck stuff. So uh, once I got the overall belt shape like this and the thicknesses and everything and the curvature correct, then I went in and started like hollowing out these and figuring out what kind of negative space I had to deal with to put these in um, the 3d printer I had at the time could only print like small things. So I was able to print this uh, and the little capsule that it goes in. So I could test all these and kind of play around with paint ups and stuff. Um, and I was able to print just this little section of the belt so I could test fit and stuff uh, to make sure things were going to, to fit together. Uh, but I didn't get to see the whole thing together until we got some samples back from China. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So, so it's like you're working on this stuff. Uh, you're 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 um, sketching. You're you're sculpting and you're putting it all together. You're working on it. Um, not even sure like what fully it will look like until you get it. You know, from like the first uh, draft of like off an assembly line. Yeah. yeah. So if you look, uh, some of the pictures I sent you uh, of the the little components like this are gray. Uh, if you have some of those, yeah. So that is uh, the rebreather. So that's what my file uh, model looks like inside of ZBrush while I'm working. And then the next slide should be uh, a color version of that. Yeah, so that is a 3D digital paint up of like kind of my concept of, you know, what that could look like. Mm -hmm. uh, and then I would print these out and do um, some just little, you know, mock trial paint ups for myself to kind of see how it was going to read and everything. And then uh, I think once this was printed out, uh, Mikey Puzo, was that correct, uh, who painted this one up? Uh, so yeah. He's one of our uh, amazing painters at NECA, and he did a fantastic job of painting these up and making them look realistic. So, Yeah, we really had uh, no idea what the colors would be because this stuff was invented. I mean, we knew the bat belt was yellow like the movie, but everything else inside was, you know, either it was based on that original drawing uh, that you showed earlier or basically what what we could come up with in our heads. And Marty was cool enough to, to do all those paint mock-up uh, models, which we then followed for the paint and stuff. And uh, it was shot, sent to the licensor. They approved and loved what, what we had come up with and what we did. And, uh, and then it's sent to China. And yeah, the, I mean... Uh, the paint and stuff was just uh, was just part of the thing. The creation, the design elements of that, you know, we were able to invent stuff, which you don't get to do a lot with licensed yeah. product. A lot of it is so regimented in exactly what is in the movie that 
a lot of the 3D artists that we have can't create and can't make up stuff. But mm -hmm. thankfully we had somebody like Marty and that's why going back to the previous question of why did we choose Marty or whatever, I trusted him and knew that he was able to do this both creatively and that he was a big fan. That helps tremendously that he can come up with the stuff and that like we don't have to nitpick everything that he does. We knew we could trust him with this project that he could bring the project home and that he could do the actual work of, of making all these things function together. You need an engineering mind to do that, not just sculpting like something pretty, but to make this an actual functioning thing before we even send it to China because they have to take it to a whole nother level. We needed somebody like Marty and that was the first and only choice really. That's fantastic, man. Congrats on that. Yeah, it's uh, it, it's amazing to see. We were going to ask that. It, you did a phenomenal job, I mean, as a fan, to see where you go with the, the limited amount of, you know, like you don't see on the, you don't see in the movie him opening this thing up. You don't see, you see a little bit of the, of the images of him clipping things on and off of it. But as you mentioned in the Q&A earlier, um, there's a lot of what if, what what is in there, what's, what's going underneath there. And uh, I like how you mentioned even at one point, uh, the style guide, it only shows like the top tip of, you know, yeah. what pops out. So what's underneath it? You know, what do I, where do I go with that? How do I use so, that? So I'll tell you a little bit there. Like if you go back to that image uh, and you see the top of that camera, do you see the inner workings of that belt? That, like circuitry? Uh, yeah, it's kind of like little gears and stuff. So that was another thing that kind of uh, influenced me as well. Because I started thinking like you know, Batman, uh, he, he kind of has a little bit of like graphic design to his work, but like the components and stuff that he uses, he really only cares about the function of them. Uh, and so I tried to make these pieces inside look like they were kind of raw machined pieces that were serving a function and didn't necessarily have to look wonderful. Uh, although I did try to make them look as, as pleasing as possible, I wanted them to look functional and like they were engineered. Speaking to that engineering, um, Marty and I had discussed early on, you can see in this image here, oh, wow, like all the panels have hinges and, and like the belt buckle has a hinge door that opens up in two spots and the side panels have hinge doors. We wanted to do all of that, um, but the limitations in China of the plastic and the um, like the amount of give that you need in between joints and stuff was just not there to make that like a realistic uh, functioning thing in the real world so we decided to pop off panels we decided to do a belt buckle that actually snaps together um so we were limited with like the actual realistic world of manufacturing a plastic belt that you could still put on and wear yeah uh, but i think we found that happy medium where we could have like all the cool function stuff some interchangeability like marty was saying we've got more capsules than there's actually holes for and then adding in those extra things for people, I think was more like a bang for your buck because when are we ever going to able to, when are we, when are we going to be able to create these things for the key movie like that? Yeah. Where like we, we couldn't put it with anything else. So let's load up the bat belt. Let's give them everything in this one set and um, fans will be happy. Hopefully. Yeah. How, how does um, you mentioned, you know, having the ideas of where to go with some of the things that are unseen and how to fill, fill that space with those ideas. Um, how does that work with a product that is licensed where, like in the past, you know, they want you to adhere to a certain standard or certain things. Did, did they have anything specific with this belt as far as like what you are not allowed to do, what you cannot do, where you can't go? Um, 
thankfully we didn't end any of those um, road issues or roadblocks with the with this specific thing because we went step by step because we knew we were we were creating things out of the blue here and that's very rare in this licensing owned world um, for stuff that we do and so when Marty finished the 3D sculpts we sent each and every turnaround like he showed of each and every part we sent that to the licensor for approval then we sent his paint images for paint then when we actually painted a physical copy for china to copy um we took photos of that and made sure everything was approved every step of the way um there was a little delay on it basically if we could do life-size props or not i think that was a little bit of a snag but when that was ironed out um everything flowed smoothly and and, and thank god we were able to do all those things because if we weren't all we would have is literally a belt that clips together that's all we would have at the end of the day which is fine but it's not as cool as having all these other gadgets that batman would have you know it's um that's the bang for the buck yeah you, and, you know uh, i'm sorry to jump in but yeah. you know you guys have really created this whole storytelling element of it and to me that's what's so visually intriguing um you know just the details um to me when I want to display this piece, I want to display each and every component in front of the belt. And it just means so much to just such a display piece for your room. And it just complements anything 89 that you have, you know. And from a Necker perspective, I think it's what's so exciting is you guys kind of set the bar for everyone else. Like, no one else is going to replicate this and not see what you guys have done. Yeah. You know, you've kind of raised that bar and the standard for what's going to be, you know, yeah. regarding any as a display piece and for the cosplayers out there that do want to wear a, a, a bat belt that can extend to around whatever size they are. And, and um, that can clip and lock into position, you know, that I'm not sure has ever been done in the mass market uh, field. The cosplayers can now wear it or put it on their shelf when they're not at a convention or <laughs> when they're not doing you know, their own thing. So, yeah. you know, uh, so yeah. can, yeah. I piggyback, can I piggyback off what you asked Stefan about uh, the content of the belt? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so I tell you, it was super awesome working with Stefan because he's a big Batman fan as well. And like coming up with these components, just back and forth with him, like, you know, uh, you know, coming up with ideas and, you know, having another fan kind of uh, put in their input and like create these things. I think it was a, a great benefit. Um, and it was just fantastic making this thing with another fan. So, yeah, a lot of fun. A lot of fun. What's um? What, what's your favorite for Stefan and Marty? What's your favorite component that you guys have come up with? If you were to pick your favorite or most challenging or the most satisfying that you actually make this uh, come to life, like what gets you excited out of this set? Uh, for me, I've got a couple because I'm a a big nerd when it comes to. Um, fidgety little things that move. And so I love the little gas bombs because they pop out. Um, I get it out. And it's a nice snug fit. So these pop out. Um, the other one is this little scanner uh, because I was able to use that negative space and create this component that flips out. So it's a little bit larger and it has all these little fake buttons and stuff on it and a little kind of scanner array here. And if you flip it over, there's a little, button here for you to press and there's the little slider here for the different whatever effects going to happen and there's just all these little little switches and things that are kind of hinted at and the way things like snap back together 
you know, I, I really enjoy this one because it, it, it uses that negative space, but creates a larger piece. So that, that was really fun to work on. Um, and yeah, it was just, it was really kind of fun. I, uh, I, I have to throw one out. This is a, a new favorite of mine that I, that I didn't know. Well, it's just, yeah, a new favorite because of you guys in the Q and a again, that you guys can go back and check out uh, on the YouTube channel, by the way, um, you mentioned earlier, like, oh, you know, what's the list of, like, for the gadgets? And it's like, well, it really depends on how it does. So uh, that being said, go over to the NECA store and order this thing so we can see what else is on that list of gadgets um, to kind of get those dreams co coming true. But uh, as I was saying, a new favorite of mine, based off of what you guys designed, was you mentioned uh, some of the inspiration for the rebreather. Can you explain uh, where that comes from? Yeah. So, um, you know, as Batman, you know, as a, you know, reading the comic books and watching the old cartoons and stuff, Batman would initially like jump into the water and have some type of rebreather. So this was, you know, kind of an inspiration for a little breathing component that maybe gives you like one or two extra breaths underwater so that he can, you know, you know, stay under a little bit longer. So maybe, you know, the villain thinks he's, you know, out of commission or whatever. But this little component here, like you would hold in your mouth, and it just looks kind of cool. Uh, and I, I remember from episode one of Star Wars when the Jedi were in the water, they had like a little breather. <laughs> so, you know, it was just kind of a, a little fun little thing that, you know, drew a little bit of inspiration from that and, um, you know, just kind of had fun with it. So we have an official crossover uh, prop replica. We have an official <laughs> Star Wars and Batman prop crossover replica because of this very fitting uh to be called bat force at bat force radio so um i love that i because you know that you know however wherever you come into star wars people loved or hated the prequels i was young enough to where the first one i was like who's this jar jar guy anyways the rest of it's kind of cool though but that was one thing that i loved i always loved that little rebreather and when i heard you mention it on the q a i was like oh god that's amazing dude like of course that's that sounds like it looks like even you know the the little rebreather on there. I love that that aspect that even other things are seeping into kind of like the aesthetic and the uh, um, you know the inspiration behind some of the stuff that we already love. You know, it's just kind of more more crossover. This this isn't like you're working on something small, right? This is Batman '89. This is like this is uh, paradigm shifting. This film, right? It's it's a cultural phenomenon, blockbuster phenomenon. Where, where did you guys, what do you remember of that time in your lives, of this film coming out? Um, what do you remember about where you were? How, what did it do to your brain? I wasn't born. But, um... <laughs> from, from what you heard. Yeah. <laughs> but from when watching it in the 90s, um, probably 97 or 98 on VHS, I, I mean, for the first thing was, the music and the gothic tone. Obviously, I love the Joker. I love Batman. But this dark kind of gothic world that Tim Burton created and with coupled with Danny Elfman's score was just, like, mind-blowing for me as a kid because that's the very first thing of Batman I ever saw. No comics, no, uh, you know, 66, nothing else. Batman 89 was the first time I ever saw Batman. So for me, that is Batman. That's the start of Batman for me when I watch it as, you know, a five-year-old blown away, you know, and then just a few years later, menace for me. But thankfully I was able to watch the 89 Batman and then the 92 Batman Returns, which is one of my favorite films of all time. Um, 
And I wish we could get to some of those props. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge, you know. Um, but I, uh, I love that whole Tim Burton world, that aesthetic. Yeah. From the gadgets, to the costumes, to the score, to, to everything. That, to me, is Batman. Yeah, and when I saw it, I saw it in a theater uh, when I was 14. And I remember um, back then, like, there wasn't the internet presence wasn't there, uh, if there was an internet at all at that point in time. And so you, the commercial was just the Bat logo. Uh, it, you know, if you got any glimpse of Michael Keaton as Batman, it was like a, a Today Show kind of appearance or something like that where they would sneak peek a little tiny silhouette of something, or if you got Starlog magazine or comic scene magazine, there might be like an image of one of the bat uh, gadgets or something. Uh, but when I saw that movie, uh, and like I said, in that other interview, uh, when Michael Keaton uh, reveals himself to the thugs on the roof and he puts his wings up and it's that iconic Batman um it went away from the Adam West, right? So there was no more camp. This was like a legit, serious uh, action superhero. Uh, and he kind of looks menacing there. And the, the the two guys playing the thugs, they look terrified. This really uh, cemented Michael Keaton as being able to play this this powerful hero. Because I know there was a little bit of controversy about, you know, Michael Keaton. Why'd you pick Michael Keaton? Um but whenever he shows up, the guys are scared. He's like kicking people through doors. He's holding people over ledges, showing like how powerful he is. We get to see the gadgetry for the first time. Um, you know, we get to see his psychological effect on the bad guys of telling them like, let's go tell people I'm Batman, I'm here. And at the end, he jumps off the roof and just disappears like a ninja. Mm. I love that. that. That's my Batman. The Batman who is an active crime fighter. He's uh, Sherlock Holmes. He's a ninja. He is like a master of disguise. He's all these things. And I think that one shot just kind of set up Batman and that universe. So, yeah. As as a fan, I just wanted to say like growing up, this was a cultural revolution. Like when it came to product, um, this, this kicked down the doors for the expansion of toys, figures, Batmobiles, uh, bringing back the old properties. It just got people excited just to celebrate Batman for who he was. And it just, whatever version you loved of Batman was just celebrated at that time. And like you said, like we didn't know we couldn't go on the internet or we had catalogs or if we growing up, if we went to toy stores, that was our scope of what Batman was and what was available. Um, and then there was all these crazy spinoffs that were kind of mapped up with the older property. So yeah. it was just a big cluster of just an explosion of Batman. I remember wearing Batman sunglasses, like anything that I can get my hands on, I got it, you know? And uh, growing up, you know, 30 years later, we're still, we're grabbing the old stuff, but we're, we want to see these reinventions with technology of this. And that's what makes this product so amazing because never in our mind would we imagine you guys making a utility belt and doing such a deep dive. Yeah. Mm. it's, It's, you should really be proud of what you did. Like when I heard you were doing it, I was like, you kind of, you guys kind of uh, pulled off the impossible. Like it's really, as a fan, you know, where do you start from and where do you end? You know, so yeah. it's really incredible. Um, it's a lot of eye candy, and you've kind of reprised uh, this prop that we know so well into our hands. So it's it's really something incredible that any fan needs to get a hand of. Yeah. The other great thing about that Batman eighty nine was it made all these other properties. Uh, 
uh, possible, right? So I think, if I'm not mistaken, after Batman 89, the Jim Henson Turtles movie came out, the live action. Uh, and this Batman movie made it so that people could see superheroes could be adult and gritty and fun and also kid friendly. And so like all this pop culture stuff we do is kind of owes itself to Tim Burton's Batman. Mm, Yeah, it it really, and it really, it's a testament to all the different layers that went into making that film, what it were. You mentioned this image right here, Marty, and what I love, and I'm still learning stuff about this movie, you know, 30 years on the thing that we recently learned was we got to be good friends with the stuntman right here. This is Carl Newman actually in the bat suit. And he was the movement double that is actually credited for creating the turn, the hero turn, where because the suit and the cowl were so fixed, uh, you couldn't turn your neck without making it look awkward. So he was the guy that, that he was a dancer by trade. And he turns um, in a way that it makes it look almost like operatic, you know, the Phantom of the Opera in this movie. And he does it at the Axis Chemicals rooftop. He does it in this opening scene um, multiple times throughout the film when he's running. He actually wore the real... Uh, belt so it would be awesome to maybe get this thing in his hands and to see what he thinks about it i think that would be amazing he lives he lives in england right now but he's still very involved with getting in touch with the fans um so shout out to carl newman one of our favorites a very impactful guy in this film also i gotta you know something that's funny when you guys announced this i saw photos of the 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 belt circulating already on facebook Um, michael keaton is batman is a facebook group that uh, i frequent there's there's, you know, thousands and thousands of fans on there. They're constantly um, sharing photos and tidbits and their their collections run by our buddy Justin from uh, Epic Guys uh, pod, Epic Film Guys podcast. And um, this is right up uh, the alley of that kind of uh, fan, right? These people who live and breathe uh, the stuff of the films, they want to hold it in their hands. They want to, they see it on the film it's had some form of impact in their life in some way, whether it's just visually or something else behind it. Having an actual physical piece like this, I mean, I think, yeah, it was cool. I saw the box. The, the box is amazing. Once I opened it and saw it and that big bright yellow just hit my face, I was like, oh, my God, this is this is next level. You know, this stuff is so cool to hold it in your hands. Um, what kid who didn't see this movie wasn't running around in some form of cape and cow jumping off the bed, right? mimicking the character and now i can do it um uh, although uh the cape and cow might be a little more snug um thankfully to you guys for your inclusive nature the belt opens up a bit so it can fit me now and i can uh you know get that sense again but uh absolutely fantastic you know um i was it's funny because i you know i see these photos circulating online i'm gonna go put it in this facebook group they're already all over there i'm like oh these guys are on top of it you know so um it's funny. I, definitely, this video will be shared on there because I know I know that group is going to absolutely go bonkers over all the little details and the tidbits and the behind the scenes. Um, that's why I think this 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 product is so cool, especially if you're a fan of this film and of '89 and of movies in general. It gives us like a living, breathing behind the scenes to something that you love. You know, this is awesome because people love looking at photos like this and just imagining what it could be. And you guys made that real. You know, you went you went the next step and said, well, what if I could put this in your hands? And that's what this is. So, uh, fantastic piece. Um, so, you mentioned uh, this is your... this Marty, I'm assuming this is your favorite Batman. Michael Keaton is your Batman. Yes. Okay. Um, what would you say is the favorite, I guess, moment of the film uh, for you, personally? 
that scene on the rooftop is is a huge uh, um, uh, favorite for me. Uh, one of the other favorites from, well, I mean, this goes into Jack Nicholson, but where you know he says, "Where does he get those wonderful toys?" Like that was very iconic. Jack Nicholson's fantastic. Uh, but one of the other shots in the movie is where he's flying the bat wing and he flies up in front of the moon and it creates oh, that man. perfect bat symbol. Oh, I remember yeah. being in the theater and the entire crowd cheered for that. <laughs> and it was, it was so fantastic and it was just yeah. playful and it was just fun. Yeah. Stephanie, what about you? Favorite uh, I'm a huge Jack Nicholson fan. Um, just in anything that he does from the shining to, uh, you know, as good as it gets, but, uh, he's, uh, he really steals the show in that movie for me. Um, I loved the Joker as a kid and he was the first Joker that I saw. And well, the animated series, of course, Mark Hamill. So, um, uh, any scene in the Joker, uh, any scene with the Joker is freaking hilarious to me. I watched the recent, uh, uh, last year I watched the 4k. Um, and, uh, I was like cackling the whole movie because I hadn't watched it like in a year, in a couple of years at least. And I just saw it in this whole new fresh light and he was just so comically hilarious. I like every scene he just chews up. I love it. Yeah. Where did they get a load of me? Yeah. yeah. There's uh there's endless the trailer lines, but you couldn't ask for a better, uh, relate like, uh, um, energy between two actors, Michael Keaton yes. and Jack Nicholson played off each other perfectly. Yeah. It, yeah. It's, it's a perfect movie in my opinion. It's my favorite Batman movie. Um, you know, we've seen so many iterations on film now where you could say they've kind of taken a character in as many places as they can in, in film, even places where people think they shouldn't have with like, you know, Zack Snyder's films and stuff like that. I personally, uh, love, even though some of those are hated, I, I do love the Zack Snyder stuff. So, but there's nothing like the. Um, here you go, Stefan's a, a Snyder bro, toxic Snyder bro. Shout out to the toxic Snyder bro. Um, oh, yeah. There's nothing like the score, the visuals, the sets, the 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 you know the the little gadgets of '89, the suit, everything. I think, in my opinion, that movie is perfect to me, and um, it is always cool to have more stuff coming out of of, of that film uh, that you can kind of hold in your hands and so this is just you know right up our alley for sure um before we go is there anything else you guys uh wanted to mention obviously we want to uh make sure if you guys love the belt if you want to grab a, a piece of this babe, batman 89 history neckastore.com as uh teases mentioned there is a cool bundle where um you also get the um the batarang that was previously released which is magnetized that comes onto the belt uh, with that bundle on there. So, uh, any last words, guys? Enjoy it. Have fun. Yeah. Buy two. Display one and uh, <laughs> for sure. Yeah. One in the uh, packaging. One to rock, three. One to rock, one to stock, <laughs> and one just in case. That's always, that's how I do it. That's just me personally. So, that's right. Yeah. But thank you guys so much for joining us. Uh, it was great. an absolute pleasure. Thank you for sharing some time with us to uh, to really geek out. This wasn't work. I mean, this is fun. So, Thank you guys for the work that you do. We end up getting getting to have fun with it. So um, have a great weekend, everyone, or a great week, whatever you guys might be uh, getting into. And uh, that's Bat Force Radio over and out.